This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Haley Salvian here with you for the next hour. No Logan Gordon today. I'm riding solo. Uh, Logan, if you listen to this station, you would have heard him this morning. He's uh, pinch hitting on the morning show. So here I am by myself today. But uh, we've got two great guests coming on, so I won't be alone the whole time. David Amber, NHL host on Sportsnet, is going to join us at the top of this hour in about 10 minutes. Uh, he is one of, he is one of the hosts, or the host, I should say, of Rogers Monday Night Hockey. A ton of really good games on last night. So uh, David had a, a good seat for all of that in the studio out of Toronto. So we're going to talk to David a bit about some of those games. And then Peter Lubardius, the voice of the Calgary Flames, is going to join us at around 1.35. We'll dig in a little bit deeper um, into the Flames' win against the Philadelphia Flyers last night. They beat Philly 5-2. to two. Uh, And maybe look at some of the, the trends we're noticing with the Flames in the last week or so. They're four, they've won four of their last five games. So if we're looking at five-game segments, we're looking at this road trip that they're on, currently a six-game road stand. Things are looking a little bit better for the Calgary Flames than they were, obviously, than their six-game, or seven-game, excuse me, losing streak from a week or so earlier. So we'll get into that with Lubardius and David Amber throughout the show. Um, if you guys were listening last week, you know I wasn't around on Friday. I was in Seattle over the last couple days. Um, I just flew back yesterday, and then I'm going to be in Pittsburgh this week as well. So it's a busy stretch of traveling for me. The Flames are in Pittsburgh tomorrow, which will be great to get out and see. And um, and then the PWHPA is having a big showcase event in partnership with the Penguins this weekend. That's the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association. So big travel week for me, but I'm still going to be with you today and tomorrow on Hockey Central 960. Um, when I was in Seattle, there was the big women's rivalry series. Um, so Canada and the U.S. played on Sunday night. There was 14,551 fans in attendance in that game. That broke the record for the most fans at a national women's game in the United States. The previous record was, you know, over 13,000 in Anaheim in 2019-20. So I went down, went to the game. It was an amazing atmosphere. Um, Let me know if you guys watch the game. The text line is open, 960-960. Great atmosphere. The, The game was great. Hillary Knight had two goals. She got honored at the beginning of the game with a golden stick for her accomplishments and for breaking the all-time scoring record at the Women's World Championships in Denmark. So it was a great one. It was a really great game. I think it was a really nice example of what happens when elite women's athletes have the resources and the visibility to on a very basic level, tell people, hey, we're here and we have a game. Like that is always the big issue. You know, it's not a question of talent level. When Canada and the U.S. are playing, like those games always deliver. Um, The question is, do people know that it's happening? That's always been the issue in terms of marketing and visibility and, and just people being aware that there's a women's hockey game in their backyard that they can go to. And I thought the Kraken did an excellent job at just showing, hey, if we can get this out to people, I mean, people are going to buy tickets and they're going to come to the game. There's over 14,000 fans. 
So it was great. Um, one note from the text line, no Logan today. Must be at home trying out his new Swiffer socks. Maybe he will be back on Friday. So <laughs> thank you. There is no name on this text, but this is a listener, I guess, of the Friday show that I host on the Athletic Hockey Show podcast. We call it the Friday show because it is posted on Friday mornings, recorded on Thursdays, and um, one of the silly, um, great things that I did and talked about on that show was uh, I was really lazy one day, and instead of you know getting out my Swiffer mop from the closet and actually mopping my floor, I just put a couple of the pads on my feet and walked around <laughs> and uh, cleaned my floors that way. So thank you for bringing that up on the text line. And now I can tell even more people, probably one of my more weird and embarrassing things that I've done. I thought it was really funny, but it was probably kind of stupid. Let me know if you buy, if you ever do that. Let me, let me not feel alone. I don't know. This is where I wish Logan was here so we could like tune in and tell me like that's hilarious or that's really dumb. I can't believe you did that. So I'll let you guys do that for me on the text line 960. 960. So as I mentioned, we're going to have David Amber on in a few minutes. And we're going to talk about some of the games from last night. And before we do that, the other piece that I wanted to get into a little bit from Seattle, and this relates to Calgary fans, if you live in the area, uh, Shane Wright is likely going to be playing a game against the Calgary Wranglers tonight, Tuesday night. Um, so he was sent down to the AHL Coachella Valley Firebirds on a two-week conditioning stint. And we're talking about Shane Wright, the fourth overall pick from this year's draft. He was scratched for his fifth straight game against the LA Kings on Saturday. I was at that game. I was at the morning skate. Um, so being scratched five times in a row makes him eligible for a one-time maximum two-week conditioning stint in the American Hockey League. Uh, Shane Wright needs to play. That's for sure. I don't think that's a debate. So he's going to go to the American League for the next two weeks, and the Firebirds just so happen to be playing against the Calgary Flames affiliate in the Wranglers on Tuesday and Thursday night. So if you are, you know, at home, you didn't go on this road trip, you're not in Pittsburgh for the Wednesday night game, you can get a chance to see the fourth overall pick from from this year's draft class playing against some of the Flames' top prospects. What I want to ask the text line and get into you a little bit with you guys here is, is this question around, I just, I think with Shane, Wright Again, it's no debate. This guy needs to play. Um, but he can't go to the American hockey league because of the CHL NHL agreement. So he is not eligible to play in the American hockey league. And I just think that like this right here is an example of that agreement, just not being what's best for the development of players. Sure. I think, Shane Wright playing in the OHL is better than him playing five minutes in the NHL and being a healthy scratch all the time. Sure. But I just don't like, I just think that this is another example of, of why it's just not what's best for these guys. He needs to play. He needs to like learn the professional game. And I think sometimes with, with the OHL, I mean, the Kingston front necks are different. They're not a great team this year. So I don't think they're going to be going down and, you know, doing everything everything they can to win an OHL championship and whatnot. But I do think sometimes player development and adjusting players to the professional game, like that's not a priority with some 
junior teams in Canada. Like they're trying to win hockey games and win championships. Whereas in the American league, that's a developmental league. That is the best place for Shane Wright right now. And he cannot go there for more than a two week conditioning stint. So I don't know what's best for him other than for him to play hockey games. And we'll see how that works. I think the timing of this stint is interesting. So after these two weeks, he can go back to Seattle Maybe get in that game against the Montreal Canadiens, who, as we know, passed on him number one. But it wasn't just Montreal. He dropped to four. Um, And then the question is, is he going to go to Canada's World Junior Camp? That opens December 9th in Calgary. So he could go there. And then that brings him to January. So something to to keep in mind for the next couple months is, if you're following, where is Shane Wright going to go? We'll see. We'll find out. We, uh... We did hear, oh my gosh, so the text line 960, 960, um, the, uh, a couple people, that's how I clean my floors. It's like going to the gym and cleaning at the same time. Absolutely. If you're doing like lunges, you know, you can do exercises with the, the Swiffer socks. Um, and uh, how have I not heard of this before? I'm going to buy some this afternoon and try it tonight. Swiffer socks for the win. That's from Ryan in Lethbridge. This is great. I'm really glad this is catching on. I thought this was an embarrassing, weird, lazy thing that I did. Um, And this is great timing. You know, David couldn't have gotten on the line when I was talking about Shane Wright. He has to come on when I'm talking about the one time where I walked around with Swiffer pads on my feet because I didn't want to get the mop out, which was I live in a condo. It's it wasn't that far. Uh, But let's go to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline and bring in our guest, David Amber, uh, the host, uh, NHL host on Sportsnet. David, how are you? Good. What the heck did I stumble onto? I have no idea what you're talking about right now. (laughs) Just can we reset, like hang up, come back on? No, I um we, we had somebody in the text line who's a listener to the um, podcast that I host at The Athletic, and he, he asked me about my Swiffer socks um, because one day I admitted on the show that, you know, there was, a, there was a spill, there was a mess, I was in a rush, I had to get on the show, and instead of getting my mop and mopping it up, I, I put some Swiffer pads on my feet and, and walked around with them. <laughs> As one does. Yeah, I think it made sense. I it was I thought it was like an innovation. I was like, should I sell these? Should I make real <laughs> socks out of Swiffer pads, like reusable ones, like mop socks? So that's what you said. actually, ma- you know what? No one likes mopping, right? No. Vacuuming I can handle. Vacuuming, it's like, okay, whatever. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Mopping is so much more, is laborious the word or laborious, whatever the word is. It's a lot more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Slide on a pair of socks. Yeah walk weirdly around your apartment or your home and your floors are clean. So you know what? To think about. I think we're on to something here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that original te- yeah, I know that uh, original text <laughs> came from Dylan and Revelstoke. He said, glad I could help out. Uh, yes. Nice. Thank you for helping the cause in my marketing. This is, this was, this is great. This is perfect. Um, But no, I wanted to have you on, David, not to talk about my socks idea, but because there was a lot of great games last night. You Mm -hmm. had a great seat for a bunch of them, host of Rogers Monday Night Hockey on Sportsnet. Four of those games went into either overtime or a shootout. I mean, that was a great night. I mean, probably maybe a late one for you, maybe a busy one for you, but a really good night of hockey last night. It was wild. And um, it's actually a fun week because uh, tonight's a quiet night, but tomorrow's crazy. Tomorrow, I think 30 teams are playing. 
And I want to say on Friday, you have like another 26 teams playing. So it's really, they, they've kind of, it's hot and cold, hot and cold all week. But when it's hot, it's really hot. And last night, I mean, you talked about those overtime games. One of the craziest finishes to a game I've probably ever seen was Carolina-Winnipeg. I mean, yeah. Rod Brindamore couldn't stand the way his team was looking five on five. They weren't generating much offense at all. Pulls the goalie down three, nothing. I don't know. Have you already ever gone through this on the show? I don't want to be repeating what you've said. Nope, not yet. Nope. I was talking about socks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so go ahead. <laughs> good, good timing then. Uh, you know, they're down three, nothing. Winnipeg in complete control. David Riddick looking very solid, which was kind of nice to see him get his footing. Brindamore pulls his goalie with five plus minutes left. I think Cass, uh, Cassie Campbell, Pascal said it was 539. They scored two goals in the first two minutes of, with the goalie pulled. And then in the final minute, they tie it up. I mean, when's the last time you saw a team pull their goalie and score three goals, six on five? Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. And, and then yeah. what do you know? A beautiful play. Dubois to Morrissey springs them for the breakaway and beautiful finish. A defenseman jumping in on the rush <laughs> on the breakaway in overtime. And the Jets do claim the two points. But uh, not without a scare. So there, it was a fantastic night of hockey. You know, a couple of bad storylines too, right? Morgan Riley leaving for the Leafs. He's on LTIR. So that's a big storyline moving forward because you have Muzzin out, Brody out, and now um, their number one defenseman, Morgan Riley, out for an indefinite period of time. So that's a big storyline. I was happy to hear Jack Campbell, although he took the puck to the face uh, as he sat on the bench. Uh, yeah, broke his broke nose in a game he didn't even play in. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? It could have been so much worse. It looked like he was holding around his eye area when he left the uh, left the the arena yesterday, and I was like, "Oh no!" You know, like imagine that. You don't see that happen too often. So no, um, you know that was good news. It could have been much worse. Uh, one of the other games I wanted to talk to you about, and is is another one of the the games that went the distance between the Colorado Avalanche and the Dallas Stars. Avs end up winning that game three to two. Um, that was a great game that ended up in a shootout, I should say. Um, and I'm watching those two teams and I'm just thinking like, are these, is this, is this, it's way too real for me to say this, but like, is this the Western conference final? Cause I think the devil or not devils, excuse me, the stars are going to be an issue <laughs> down the stretch at the end of the season. I think that's a fair, I think that's a really fair assessment. Um, you know, and I wasn't sure what they were going to be because you keep looking at that lineup and you go, man, it's, it seems like it's such a veteran kind of, it seems like it's a veteran group and you're not sure if they're on the precipice of going to become an old group. But then you look at the young talent on the group, right, with Robertson and Hintz and, um, you know, even Haskinen and, and obviously Ottinger and Natty, you go, the, the nucleus is very, very strong. So now that Jamie Benn is going, and now that, you know, um, Pavelski just seems like an ageless wonder, they just seem yeah. to be a really good position to make a deep run. And um, they have the makings of a sort of a championship caliber team. They really do uh, a great mix of players. Did you see the fight with Josh Manson and Jamie Benn? I did not see. I did not see that one. No, I was uh, oh, channel no. flipping a lot last night. <laughs> Well, yeah, we're so lucky because in our studio area, we have literally seven TVs. So oh, I, I need yeah. more eyeballs. But whenever something big <laughs> happens, you know, there's a collective like, ooh, or ah, and you know which way to right. look. Um, if you get a chance, not that I'm, you know, sitting here advocating for fights, but it was just, it's sort of, the reason I bring this up, as you mentioned, is this a Western Conference final preview? And it had that intensity to it. Often you see around this time of year, 20th game, American Thanksgiving, you know, there's some duds. 
I mean, we saw what mm-hmm. Ottawa did last night. They're already on vacation, yeah. it seems. Um, that wasn't the case. This was fought tooth and nail between two of the top teams in the NHL. And the fight, um, you know, Manson knocked down Jamie Benny. He definitely got the better of it. Um, but it was just, you know, two guys squaring up. And it sort of, you know, was following a big hit. And it was just sort of one of those things where, you know, it sort of, I think they were trying to make a statement. Both teams sort of said, okay, let's, let's see what you got. And it was a big statement on, on both teams' behalf last night. Yeah, that was a that was a great game, and I just think when you look at the stars and Flames fans don't really need any explanation of you know what the stars can do in the playoffs because it took them seven games to get through them, and a lot of that was because of Jake Ottinger. And again, it's still it's still pretty early, even though we're nearing the twenty game mark of the season. But if if the stars are going to get those kind of numbers from Jake Ottinger because he is posting similar ones to what he did in the first round of the playoffs last year. And and Jamie Benn looks like he's back and Tyler Sagan looks like he's back. And they have one of the best lines in the NHL right now in their top line with Pavelski hints and, and Robertson. I mean, they're going to be an issue. And this is what Pete DeVore does when he comes to a place. I mean, you just have to look. Uh, he took the San Jose Sharks to the Stanley Cup final in his first season there. He did the same thing in his first season in New Jersey. They lost in the finals. Uh, and then he took the Vegas Golden Knights to the third round uh, in back-to-back years with an expansion team. Like, this is what Pete DeBoer does. He comes in and <laughs> and things get hot really yeah. quick and they go to the distance. You're absolutely right. And, and it's funny, if you think about the coaching carousel, it was, it was the biggest coaching carousel I think we've ever had. I, I'll have to check on that. But there's 10 new head coaches this year. That's got to be a record. It just has to be. And for by and large, it's worked out wonderfully, right? Like, I don't think Vegas is complaining about Bruce Cassidy. And I can no. guarantee you Boston is not complaining about Jim Montgomery. And They're doing all right. Dallas, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Dallas isn't complaining about Peter DeBoer. And Winnipeg's not complaining about Rick Bonus. I mean, this coaching carousel seemed to work, you know – in Detroit has Derek Lalonde, like it seemed seemingly is working out in a lot of these markets where they said, we need a new voice, a new vision, new philosophy, uh, you know, different structure. And for a lot of these teams, it's been like a fresh start. Um, and with some of the guys like a Peter DeBoer, you're right. The early returns for Peter DeBoer are always good. Uh, his voice resonates loudest earliest on in his tenures at places as most coaches do. And this might be the time to strike. You know, whether this messaging will work three years from now with this group, maybe not. But right now, he has them playing a certain level of hockey and and just great structure. And what I like about Dallas, another thing is they can grind it out with you. They've got, you know, Jake Ottinger and Ned, and they have a group that's big and physical. But they also, you know, if you want to have a run-and-gun game, they're they're pretty comfortable playing that style. So Mm -hmm. um, it's nice when you have the ability to, all right, we're down a goal, no problem. Or, all right, we're up a goal, we can hold a lead. And to have that sort of duality of styles is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't really the case last season. That was a team where offense wasn't always easy to come by. That was like, all right, they're up one nothing. Like it's locked in. That's good. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> good luck getting anything through the neutral zone. It's over. Uh, so yeah, Dallas Stars, a interesting team. Uh, you know, you mentioned the coaching carousel, and I have been a pretty big. Um, you know, every time the Ottawa Senators come up on the show, I have been, I don't want to say like a DJ Smith defender because it's not my job to defend people. Um, but when we look at this coaching carousel and need the need for a fresh voice and the fresh perspective, 
The Ottawa Senators are 31st in the league. The only team below them in the NHL right now is the Anaheim Ducks, who have yet to win a game in regulation, and they're still only two points back of the Sens. Like, when you look at this team, like, what needs to come first? Like, a trade for a defender or just a new voice on the bench? Oh, man. And I've been team defender, but I also get it. I I get it sometimes. I don't know. Well, yeah. the definition of insanity is just doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And I guess you could say they didn't do things over and over. I was, I was on your show praising Pierre Dorian in the off season he had. Um, I thought he did address a lot of the holes, whether it was with Talbot or Debrinkit or Giroux, but the one gaping hole that we all talked about at the start of this season. And we talked about it with Vancouver as well as a blue line. That's not particularly strong and not particularly deep. And that's a bad combination. And the depth was challenged pretty early uh, with Shabbat going down and Zub going down, et cetera. And, and I don't want to put it all on, well, they had a couple of injuries because every team right now seems to be banged up in some fashion. But there's something that just, I don't, I really, you know, they got off to that four and two start. And I was one of the first guests on, on your show. I, I was in the first week, I remember. And yeah. we were talking about Ottawa. And I said, the key for Ottawa is they have to get off to a good start. And we yeah. talked about it. We uh, last year, two wins in the first 15 games. And the year before, you know, blah, blah, four wins in the first 20 games. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And they seemingly got off to a good start. And then literally the wheels have come completely off. And I, I really don't know what to make of it. You know, to kind of go back to your original question, do they need a new voice or do they need a trade? I, I like you, I don't think it's a DJ Smith, the guys have tuned him out or whatever. Yeah, they, they certainly make their share of mistakes. But I look at that blue line, and I remember last week, you know, they, it was just littered with, you know, very inexperienced players. Yeah, they had Holden there, um, and then one other veteran, but but the, the other four guys had collectively like 100 NHL yeah. games or something. Really, and really I, young blue line, yeah. yeah. And, you know, Jake Sanderson's playing 25 minutes, and I'm going, oh, man. You know, like, mm-hmm. I honestly think Rasmus Dahlin's, um, you know, maturation as a player was probably stunted by some degree by the fact he had to play minutes he shouldn't have been playing. Supposed to being able to learn maybe from a, a veteran and who's taken him under his wing, he had to kind of be that stud guy. And I don't want to see that happen to Sanderson. So I really am hopeful Ottawa can make a move to, to add something on the blue line. But he, you know what, Haley, here's the thing. History would show you know, Elliot's done a whole thing on this. I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but if at American Thanksgiving you're not in a playoff spot, there's whatever it is, a 78% chance or whatever it is, you're not going to climb in. And certainly if you're sitting 31st in the NHL, I mean, yes, the St. Louis Blues did that, we, we know, but that was the anomaly. That's certainly not the yeah. expectation. So I really don't know. I, I, I don't think – I think the whole sense of urgency argument might be over. Like this string of losses, I don't want to be too dramatic, but – you know, Ottawa's going to have to now play at a, a 600 clip, you would think, to make the playoffs. So I, I think Pierre Dorian's going to, as Elliot says, is just going to assess what his options are. And they've been searching for a blue line, a blue liner long and hard. And he just might have to part with one of these star, young, up-and-coming star forwards to get the type of blue liner needed there to solidify a blue line, which could be very good with Shabbat, Sanderson, et cetera. So um, I think the trade is, is the path that they might be exploring more than a coaching change. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you just look at what's happened this season. That's all the proof you need of you can have whatever kind of forward group you think is going to be good enough. And it doesn't really matter if you've got a leaky blue line. I mean, 
I, I believe in building from the back end and out. I think good goaltending, good defense. And then you're, you know, if your defense can't get the puck out of the D zone and up to the forwards, it doesn't matter how good your center or your left wing or your second line, your third line is because you're stuck in your own zone. And it's, it just unravels from there. Um, I think the New Jersey Devils are a great example of, of how that could work out well. I think, you know, Sens fans are really upset when, when the Devils came into town and beat them. That was what their 12th straight win. They're at 13 now after beating the Oilers. But that is not a really – that's not a super young, green, inexperienced blue line that they have. They go out and get Dougie Hamilton and John Marino and, and I mean, Severson. That's a, that's a good decor in New Jersey that can – do the, you know, they can front the puck and they can box out and they can, you know, play heavy if they need to, but they can also get the puck up to a very incredibly skilled forward group. I mean, are the the yeah. Devils going to lose? Like, what, 13 straight yeah, games? I, I mean, it's, it's wild funny. to watch we, right now. Uh, we asked that to, to the panel uh, last night on, on Monday Night Hockey, and, you know, two of them, Cassie Campbell-Pascal and Anson Carter, said, yeah, the Devils are for real. And one of them, and he was pretty adamant about this, Keith Yandel was like, no, I just don't think they're that good. I, I'm a bit I'm a bit torn. Yes, they're very impressive, and they're healthy, which has probably been a, a, a you know key thing. But what's shocking me is they're doing this without Pilat, who I thought was a really smart signing for them. And they're doing this without their number one goalie, Mackenzie Blackwood. So that's the part of it where I'm just like, how is this sustainable? If you do take a kind of a deeper dive and look at their schedule. First of all, they're 9-0 and versus Canadian teams. The Canadian teams have not started <laughs> collectively very strongly, so that yeah. is one indicator. They, have, they haven't played the strongest schedule yet. I do think, you know, let's see where they are in January 1st. Do I see them as a playoff team? I think, you know, it would take something monumental for them not to be a playoff team at this point. Do I see them as a Stanley Cup contender? No, no, I don't put them anywhere close to the same class as the top five or six teams in the league, and I know they've been on this epic run, but I just don't view them as, as deep or as strong. Um, and I even think their forwards, you know, are a little bit undersized, uh, you know, when it comes to those, those really tough battles, they're going to have to bear down against the likes of, you know, Tampa or, or Boston. I'm wondering how that's going to pan out for them. So I, I'm not a, I'm not a hundred percent believer, but um, it's been incredible what they've been able to pull off over the last month now. What makes me more of a believer in the Devils is that a lot of their underlying numbers are matching up with the production. Like this isn't like a team that's getting a bunch of really good puck luck or something. You know, they're not way outscoring their expectations. Things are kind of right on track and they're at the top of the league in terms of expected goals and shot share and puck possession, zone time, all the all that good stuff. So we'll see what happens. As you said, I think we're going to need to wait a little bit longer uh, than November to put the seal on the Devils. Um, last one for you, David. I was yeah. looking up and down on the NHL standings, and I just think when you try to break this into tiers, you've kind of got the top three teams in Boston, New Jersey, and Vegas who have kind of separated themselves from the pack. Again, we have the asterisks. On the Devils, we don't really know if they're legit yet. Then you've got the teams where it's like, yep, they're in and around it. I mean, Toronto, Carolina, Dallas. And it just feels like this year, maybe more than last, there is this like thick, mushy middle that sounds disgusting, but from like number seven on to like 20, number 20 in the standings. Like there's just this really big mushy middle in the league where it's just like, I don't really know what to make of a bunch of these teams. 
because you've got the flames in there, um, the blues, the penguins, rangers looked like a Stanley Cup contender in the first five games. Now they're, you know, 14th in the league. You've got Tampa, who we are never going to write off, Kraken, Jets. Like there's just a lot in there. Um, and it's hard to think, you know, we're almost 20 games in. We're almost at that Thanksgiving mark. But there's there's a lot of teams who are kind of in this middle tier for me right now. Uh, welcome to salary cap hockey. I guess is one thing you can. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Wanted parity. They wanted. They didn't want dynasties. They wanted teams to have a chance. They wanted fan bases to be engaged, and that's you know essentially what we have. Like even crappy teams that we can agree are not good. Teams, Arizona or Chicago, et cetera. They're they still are going out there and winning. You know, forty percent of their games. Like they're not yeah. getting the door blown off. So. Um, I agree with you. There's not a lot of superstar teams. The one point of contention I might make with, with your thought there is, you know, Colorado's doing this without their captain, Landis Cog, without Nikushkin. Yes. Uh, they're, you know, they're probably pacing themselves to some degree, like we saw Tampa do during their championship years. I don't think they're going out there and saying, you know, and last night might have been the exception. I said it was played with a lot of intensity, but I don't think night in, night out, they're sitting there and hanging, uh, you know, life and death on every two points. I look at Colorado as a top-tier team. I will yeah. I refuse to not acknowledge Tampa, even though they, you know, they currently sit third in the Atlantic. You know, Tampa to me is still the team to beat in the East because I just think when all their players are there and all of them are healthy, they just got Bogosian back. They're still waiting on a, you know, they're still waiting on Sorelli to come back. They are, they still have Vasilevsky in that. They still have Hedman. They still have Kucherov. And to me, yes. you know, and you know, I'm not even mention Point or Stamkos. I mean, they've got a formidable, formidable nucleus that I say is better than than any team. So yeah. I, I, I just think you have to, regardless of the standings, I don't care if mm-hmm. Tampa squeaks into the playoffs eighth in the East. Tampa no. <laughs> has to be considered in that top tier. We saw that last year, right? You know, yeah. like they were third in the Atlantic and all oh, the Leafs and Leafs and, and all these great teams. And what do they do? You know, they, they, they beat the Leafs in seven. They, they completely destroy Florida who won the president's trophy and they get all the way to the final. So I just, I, I think there's four or five teams and I think you just can't, you know, the last year's Stanley Cup champions have to be in that elite group. Yeah, I'm with you. I should have I should have mentioned Colorado's up there. They're kind of in. They're not. They're not really in the middle. They're they're going to be fine. But thanks, David. But your point. But but your point. Your point is <laughs> your point's valid, though, right? Like yeah, there, it's just there's, uh, a of, there's a lot of teams that aren't exciting you, but they're maybe still contenders. Yeah, there's a lot of teams that we all expected to be really good who we haven't quite seen pop yet, and some teams we maybe 100%. didn't think would be up there who are who are up there. And, and I don't know if that's the parody thing or if it's just maybe things are taking a little bit longer to, to really start to separate in terms of the like the pretend like I think there's some pretenders who are who are hanging out in there. I mean, the Minnesota Wild yeah. and and Flyers both have 18 points. I mean. I'm not really sure what to make of, of the wild at this point, but I don't think the flyers are going to be hanging out in that kind of spot when it's all said and done no. either. So. And they're up the descent. No, I, you're, you're a hundred percent. And it's going to be, I think the next, like give it like, let's have this conversation the first week of January. And then I think we're going to establish three tiers, teams that are done teams that are, you know, in that little mix. And then the top, let's say six or eight teams where you go, any of these teams can win the Stanley Cup and I wouldn't shock me. And I think that's what we'll, we'll end up seeing in about six weeks. Absolutely. Are you a World Cup fan? Because France just scored. I have it on mute in the background. It was a pretty nice one. It was 2-1. <laughs> I, was at, I was coming from the gym. It was 2-1. to one. It's now 3-1. to one. Ooh, Yeah, Kylian Mbappe. Nice one. Anyways. Ooh, uh, yeah, I am a fan. <laughs> I can't wait till tomorrow. It's noon, noon, 
uh, mountain time and obviously two o'clock yeah. Eastern. I am, I got my plans already. I unfortunately oh, yeah. might miss your tomorrow. <laughs> no, you know what? That's fine. That's why I booked you today. I figured, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to have to yeah. just try to wrangle people who don't care about Canadian soccer for the show tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be, uh, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be, oh, yeah. you probably were alive when it, they, I was like a teenager when they were in last time and it was, it was been a long time. Let's put it that way. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope you have fun tomorrow, David, and thanks so much for the time today. Bailey, thanks for having me on. Uh, enjoy the games. Thank you. There goes a friend of the show, David Amber, on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. That chat brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza, 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast. So you heard it there. I am, you know probably a fool because I like to multitask and yes I do have the world cup on on mute while I am hosting a radio show so if you care let me know what you think about the world cup who's your team but we're also going to talk about the flames coming up next on hockey central 960 Peter Lavardius joins us to get into Calgary's win and what's going right for the flames after they've won four of their last five that's coming up next on sports at 960 Listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, the fan. All right, so I turned the World Cup off during the commercial break. There was another goal, by the way, in the last five minutes, but I turned it off. We're going to focus because uh, got to be got to be sharp here. We've got Peter Lavardius joining us, voice of the Flames. On sports at nine sixty, Peter, how are you? Thanks for joining us. I, I am good and pleased to do so. I will say this: if we're on at this time tomorrow, I'm <laughs> going to have a heck of a time staying focused, unless Canada is trailing by about three, which could be the case. Um, yeah. So tomorrow is all bets off. I know, and I think you might yeah. be on at this time, but you know what? That's okay. Yeah. We, well, there's we'll nothing to talk out. about. The Flames aren't playing the Penguins tomorrow. It's fine. They they're are. not going to be. We'll talk about that for a few minutes. But there, <laughs> you know, in sports, there can be some more important things. Hey, can I start with one today? Yeah. How did you? Uh, how did you enjoy Climate Pledge? I'm not sure if you got there last year or not. And the mm-hmm. game on uh, Sunday, because I had an opportunity to go to Game One of that series. Yes, I saw that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I went to Climate Pledge last year on the road with the Flames. I went on the the L.A. Seattle trip with them. It was uh, not a bad bad work trip. We were in L.A. for like five days and then Seattle right after. So I'd been to Climate Pledge before, but it was an awesome game. I mean, I I talked about it a little bit off the top, but I am happy to do so even more because the building was like it was there was great energy. There was over 14,000 fans there that the Kraken, you know, purposefully made sure to sell out the lower bowl before moving up into the stands. So the the atmosphere in the lower bowl, I mean, for, for a women's hockey game was, was awesome. And, and I think it was just such a great example of, of the marketing power of, you know, if people know that they are there, they will come up to it. And they, they came out big and, and the players delivered. Hillary Knight was 
<laughs> unreal in that game. She had two goals and an assist. Um, Savannah Harmon opened the scoring 40 seconds in. Gorgeous top corner goal. Uh, Mary Philippe Poulin, Sarah Nurse got in on the action. So the stars came out. Canada US delivered, the stars delivered. It was really fun. And that that arena is gorgeous. So and I and I saw that you had got out to the first game. Um did you just drive over there? Were you scouting? Were you doing junior too, or you just wanted to go no, over to, no, to the I game? Just, uh, I, you know that I have great passion for anything Canadian sports, and mm-hmm. spent a lot of time over my lifetime watching the women's program, and uh, so wanted to get a little piece because those two teams never ever disappoint. So yeah. you know, saw a great game that night and a terrific crowd in Kelowna and. You know, I, I just—it's—it's it's been a great passion of mine for a long time, and what really excited me, whether it was the night I was in Kelowna, the night you were in Seattle, or the game in Kamloops, I just—they—they're such great competitors. They never let you down. Those two countries, anytime they play, and I just like that those women, you know are getting to play in front of those types of crowds. Now, I know it's not the first time, and it won't be the last, but it was just fantastic to see three excellent games in, in virtually three sold-out buildings inside of Climate Pledge, but when it's the biggest crowd for a game you know, that the U.S. women's team has played in front of in their history, I just, I just thought it was a chance to celebrate that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome. And and we're joined, by the way, by uh, Flames Insider, Peter Labardius. This chat is brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. Gemini Group now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Um, so want to, with that transition, Peter, to the Calgary Flames. They beat the Flyers last night 5-2. to two. I heard you on Flames Talk, and I thought this was the perfect way to um, kind of, you know, if there's a one kind of blanket statement for the game is it wasn't a Picasso. Like, it wasn't that pretty. This wasn't a piece of art. Um, But they got the job done. They get the road win. They get the win. And now the Flames have won four of their last five games. Well, when you're going through the difficult time they had in the seven-game losing streak, it's, you know, probably the overriding story for me, Haley, is two things. I thought they played well enough on their previous Eastern swing to win all three games on that trip. I, I thought they played really well. In fact, I'd make an argument that they might have played better in those games than they have in the last two games in which they have won. And even in the game on this trip that they lost against Tampa, uh, Tampa deserved to win. They created more offensive opportunities. But, you know, when you go into Tampa and you hold them to – less than 30 shots. You've done a lot of things that you want to do as a team that prides itself on what they don't give up and how they check. So right now, I think it's just really important for this team to get some results, start feeling better about themselves, have some players who you know have been fighting it. Really big, I think, for Dylan Duque to get off the schneid. And loved his comment last night, too, about understanding and I think that's the hardest part for young players, Haley. I really do, and I felt this my whole entire life of covering the sport. Um, Todd McClellan last week in a conversation that we had 
talked about kind of transforming young players from what he calls, and they call in L.A., stats to stay as opposed to play to stay. And Dylan's comments after scoring, you know, talked about the fact that, you know, if you play right and you do the things that you have to do, then the results will come. But I think that, and I don't even think it, I know it, talking to all the coaches I have in my lifetime, that that, that's a message that's very difficult for high-level young players who, you know, and what, what you tell me, Haley, what isn't judged in our world in this day and age outside of numbers? There's a number, there's a graphic, there's a stat, mm-hmm. there's a chart for everything. Yeah. So yeah. I just thought that was a very mature comment coming from him, and he was rewarded and good to see him score and Hubert O score again. And, you know, Blake Coleman has a great night, one of the, as you know, spending time with him. I just think one of the classiest people I've yeah. maybe ever met in covering the sport. So good night, good win, not perfect. Um, Philly played their tails off and they'll have to be better tomorrow. In Pittsburgh. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think it's interesting when you talk about, you know, the, the play versus the stats. And this is a bit of a, <laughs> a, a sidetrack here on my part because I was in Seattle and I, I was doing some work and looking into and talking to some people about Maddie Beniers. And, and one of the really interesting things is he was on a six-game, you know, point drought. You know, and everyone's talking about how great Beniers has been. And all of a sudden, you know, he's got a bit of a slump. You know, six games, no points, no goals for Maddie Beniers. And, and nobody cared because he was still just playing – the right way and he wasn't letting it phase him and he was doing all the right things still. And that is, you know, a hard thing to do, I think for a young player, especially somebody like him, who's basically come in and, and been an impact guy in the crack in top six. And he just didn't change a thing because he knew that the way you that he was playing helps. was the right way. Yeah. I think what has helped with that Haley, in terms of watching him, you know, think about, you know, 2021 20, world junior where, you know, he played really, really well. He didn't necessarily put up huge numbers. You know, that belonged more to Caulfield and, and Zegras in that event in Edmonton. But when the chips were on the line and the United States played our country, you know, in the gold medal game, I thought he was the best guy. And yeah. that's what's impressed me the most about him. And I'd say the same thing, you know, in his tenure at the University of Michigan. Um, he wasn't their highest point producer either but his best attribute is his two-way game and he does he, he's i don't know if, if ron francis thought this when he picked him he was a great player but he's got a little ron francis in him <laughs> and it is you're right though it is not an easy thing for young people to not score who are used to producing and still not allow that to affect the other part of the game. And Veneers is a great example. Um, another one with, on the Flames here with you, uh, Peter, is, you know, is, is this the top nine configuration that that just might work? I think there's, 
you know, obviously it's not perfect. I thought the top line wasn't great last night against the Flyers, um, but it was one game. Otherwise, Rizichka, Toffoli, and Lindholm have, have looked good together. Um, the, the trio of Coleman, Huberto, and Backlund um, has worked just fine. And I, and I know some people look at that and, and it's like, well, why is Huberto on the third line? Um, that, that's not a third line. Like, they're not used like one. They played the most minutes as a line than anybody else on the Flames did in terms of the five-on-five minutes, you know, of the Flames' four lines. They were leading the way in in terms of their ice time, and obviously they had a great impact. Um, You know, Mangiapane hasn't been great to start the year. You mentioned Dubé on a 16. He snapped that 16-game scoreless drought, but there's reason to believe that those two with Kadri works. Like, is this the ideal forward line configuration that we're seeing right now? I don't know if it's the ideal one, Haley, but... You know, there are things, there's going to be ups and downs, and, and I think things are still going to have the capability to move around. I, I like it. And, you know, one of my pet peeves has been, and there are different seasons. You look at last year, clearly the Calgary Flames had a number one line and, and how they performed and how they played and, you know, their plus minus and everything that went hand in hand with Lindholm to Chuck and Gaudreau. But I, I really feel in this case, um, I don't like the number because to me it changes. And I think it's only fair to number when you're going, you know, this guy plays significantly more than this guy or this guy. And the truth of the matter is, with the Flames, you know, three centers, Lindholm, Backlund, and Kadri, you know, go over the game sheets. Lately, um, you could say Michael Backlund has been arguably the number one center because he's playing more minutes than anybody else. And Elias is right there on average. So it's balance, Haley, that I think when and if this team you know, really starts clicking is, you know, what, is what's going to separate them. And I also think it's what would make them a more dangerous team at the most important time of the year. Mm-hmm. Because if all the pieces can come together and get it figured out, this is not an easy team to deal with. Who do, nope. who do you check? The thing mm-hmm. I liked about the Flames when this roster was constructed is you can't necessarily check one line. In fact, you, maybe you can't even check two. Now, it's been a little different right now because they haven't necessarily found the perfect consistency or continuity as you talked about, but some guys still have to play better, but I, I like the potential of better balance with excellent centers. That's why I like this team. That's why I still have faith in the group, even though it certainly hasn't been a rock star start. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I would be happy with at least. Yeah. Absolutely. I not think that, not that that resonates with you. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I'm I'm with you though. I think I haven't been prepared to walk back anything that I said in the preseason about this team. I know it hasn't been a perfect ideal start in a lot of ways, but I still feel like, at least on paper, this looks like a Flames team that's going to be better in areas where. 
they weren't last year and, and when it matters the most. How many nights were they a one-line hockey team last year and they needed the top line to get it done? I mean, they, they look like when things start working, they're going to have more than that and, and it's going to be better where it counts. So we'll see how it works out. We're at the 20-game mark and we're almost at the 20-game mark. And yep. I don't know if I've really been able to put my finger on this team yet, but I think that's because they're still a work in progress. I think it's just taking a little bit more time to really know what, what what we're looking at here. Yeah, I agree. And and the other thing that I always, you know, talk about on on my daily hits like this one is there's always so much attention on who's playing with with who up front. For me, you know, the bigger puzzle is settling things in and finding three really consistent parents. Because Haley, as somebody who covered the team every day as you did last year and the year prior to that, wasn't that one of the biggest attributes of the team? I mean, all year long, virtually, they sent out the same three pairings and got really good performances from all three sets of pairings. And until that area solidifies itself, I'm far more concerned about that part and injuries have had lots to do with that and still is than I am about the forward group. I, I just, I, I think, and I value one more than the other. And I think with how this team plays and what its identity is, you just, you have got to have good pairing play on your defense to be a really good team. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm with you. All right. Thanks a lot for the time today, Peter. And uh, we'll talk to you You're tomorrow. And, and hopefully Canada has a good game. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, either be in the greatest mood um, <laughs> or in the absolute worst. So All right. I'll, uh, you'll have a great time dealing with that 20 yeah. minutes tomorrow. Yeah. You know what? It'll okay, be great because I'm going to be right there with you. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right. So, yeah, there goes the voice of the Flames, Peter Labardius. Uh, that was Flames Insider as well, Peter Labardius. That conversation brought to you by Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group now offering air miles, reward miles. You can visit GeminiGroup.ca for more information. All right. That's all the time we have for today on Hockey Central 960. Thanks for joining us. Tomorrow, you heard it, we're going to have Peter Labardius back in the seat and we'll see what mood he's in depending on how Canada does in their World Cup match tomorrow. That's Wednesday. We will see you tomorrow at one o'clock.